asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are discussing rideshare inflation, pay transparency, and emotional investing. That's right, Joel. This is our Friday Flight episode. And on the note of emotional investing, we've had quite the roller coaster week. You, uh, you like to sob when you're uh, dollar cost averaging in the index funds, don't you? <laughs> Honestly, typically the sobbing comes when you do the lump sum investing because it's <laughs> so it can be so nerve wracking for individuals. We're not going to get into all of that, but we wanted to mention this specifically because uh, we're going to talk with Lindsay Bell on the second half of this episode. We've had her on before talking about ESG funds which is investing in a more environmental, social governance sort of way. That responsible investing. Yeah, exactly. But we're going to talk about emotions and the different traps that we can fall into when we're trying to time the markets uh, with all the volatility that we have seen. Uh, we're going to talk all about that in the second half of this episode. Uh, but first, you wanted to talk about uh, your new bathroom or something like that? Yeah, speaking of sobbing, I, uh, <laughs> there, there's a vanity that we've, we've, you know, we've, we've planned out everything that we're buying for the renovation that we're doing on our house, new right? master bath, new master bathroom, getting a new vanity. It's gonna be nice. And I picked it out a while back. I and can't was, wait to get in there and you know 
mess it up do what i need to do (laughs) (laughs) well it's uh there's this i mean we i feel like we found just stylistically wise and then value ratio wise it was like all right this is the one for us and then uh, man dude inflation is real it is okay absolutely real and i shared an example last week of with the airbnb example where i was able to ask for a discount and i got it Uh uh-huh in this case i was unsuccessful (laughs) and so i want to share my fails too but yeah the the price on this vanity went up 20 percent uh, just because, Dang. and so I reached out just to, on, on the chat feature on their website and I'm like, Hey, you know, so obviously I, I totally understand why prices are going up right now. Are you now. making this thing out of walnut now or what? <laughs> like what's going on? What kind of upgrades? Are we no, it really about is. Here? It's the shipping delays. They're like, listen, you know, we shipping costs, shipping costs okay. and delays have costs are costing us a lot. And so we have to make up for it. And that's why this vanity costs you know 20% more than it did in July. Uh, and I'm like, okay, no, I get, I, I get it. But is there any chance I can get, I don't know, we can meet in the middle and I can get a 10% off coupon code. And they're like, well, no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was totally cool. I totally respect it because it's a small business who's doing a good job, at least, of letting their, their customers know why these price increases are happening. I sure. realize and I get the necessity for it, um, but I'm also willing <laughs> to, to at least ask the question. Oh, yeah. You got to be willing. Although, you know, sometimes you fall flat on your face. And with this specific product, this isn't something that you're super flexible on. Like, you've identified the one you want. And we, with could, sh- we could totally go back to the drawing board. Right. And try to find something. But the problem is, like, I'm thinking about just how long it's going to take for it to even show up. And so you probably needed to go ahead and order that just to make sure it shows up right. this year <laughs> instead of, you know, it's showing up months and months from now. And anybody who's try, tried to do any sort of renovation right now realizes that ordering yeah. windows and doors doors and lumber and concrete and vanities and lighting all the stuff is just taking longer to get there all and the stuff you and emily have been looking at <laughs> and, and some of the stuff is out of stock you know and uh it's just it's just part of the deal right now but you got to roll with the punches and sometimes yeah if, if it was a different piece i'm told i'm more than willing to go back to the drawing board this was a piece we identified it's kind of like uh the rug and the big lebowski kind of ties the whole room together <laughs> and th- i really think it's a little more unique this vanity is going to tie the whole bathroom together so nice. yeah uh-huh. when you when you come over to the house don't mess it up uh, well, I hope it looks good. <laughs> All right. So before we get to our stories this week, our Friday flights, uh, Joel, we wanted to share with listeners that we are in Austin, Texas, and we're having a beer hang. So head over to Instagram, head over to Facebook, search How to Money. On Instagram, you can search How to Money Pod, and you can find details as to when and where we are hanging out. But if you are in the Austin area, we hope to see you tonight. All right, Joe, let's go ahead and get to our stories. Let's talk about some streaming television. We like talking about some of the different streaming services and whatnot that are out there. But this is one that is no longer around, Lowcast. We've actually talked about them on the show before. They're officially dead. Uh, A judge ruled this week that Lowcast can no longer operate. uh, And the homepage of Lowcast.org reflects that. (laughs) You know what I got to say to that? Good riddance. Yeah? Yeah, you weren't a fan? I mean, we... Not really. So the way it worked, Lowcast, they were attempting to bring local channels to your streaming platform for quote-unquote free uh, but they weren't actually doing a great job of it because like what they are doing is essentially blackmailing users to donate so it's a nonprofit, so they can't force you <laughs> to pay money but they can kind of blackmail you to do it by kicking you off of the service like every five to ten minutes uh, and so because of that users were actually ponying up to support this quote-unquote nonprofit streaming company uh, mostly out of annoyance. <laughs> right. uh, but the judge ruled that Locast, they were making too much money. Like they were making more than what was necessary to keep that site running. Uh, and so because of that, they said that they weren't actually 
behaving like a nonprofit, which is true. And so I like the idea of being able to get your local channels streaming. But honestly, we would just tell folks just to, to bite the bullet, buy a digital HD over the air antenna. Yep. That's honestly the easiest way to get the best quality for the best price. And so if you want, like last weekend, if you wanted to watch the Emmys, just flip it over to CBS, find your local CBS channel and it would have come through crystal clear. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you get, you're going to get a better picture doing that anyway. Once you make that initial investment of buying the antenna, twenty bucks, it's, comple- bucks. it's completely free after that. So it's definitely a better move than Lowcast. And I guess initially when I heard about Lowcast, I was excited. I was like, this is this is going to be cool. It seems cool. And then it wasn't cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being so frustrated, like trying to watch something on there and then like they boot you off uh, and you got to like log, go all the way back in and unless you donate. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, really guys? Like uh, I people are going to if you provide them a good service they will donate but if you frustrate them they'll just stop using your service that's That's how i felt about it but uh now none of us can use it but let's let's move on matt let's talk about rideshare inflation Uh, uber and lyft prices have been rising in a big way and that's according to a new study by rakuten over the past year rideshare prices have risen by about 50 percent some cities have seen bigger price hikes than others kind of depends on where you live but there's a shortage of drivers that's the main reason for this there just aren't enough people willing to give rides through Uber and Lyft right now. And we all get the basic idea of supply and demand. Well, it's at work in a big way right here. If you use rideshare regularly, you already know that it costs more to get around and that it's been far more difficult even to get a ride. So yeah, when the supply of drivers decreases, and then in addition to that, you see the demand increase because more and more people are starting to get comfortable trying to get back to living their lives a little more normally, prices will likely continue to increase. That's just kind of an important thing to factor in. And Matt, especially as a a one-car family, it's something we have to factor in more that our line item for rideshare, we don't really use it very much, almost never, but uh, it might have to increase if we do have to use it more. Yeah. And you know, when you're looking at the overall market, I feel like in some ways this is good because drivers, they're starting to get, to get paid more. Lyft and Uber, they've been offering sign-up bonuses for drivers uh, and wages in general have been escalating pretty rapidly in the, the current economy. Uh, like Amazon, for instance, they just announced that the average starting salary for new hires is going to be uh, $18 an hour. Just think about just how big of a jump that is going to be from the average starting pay uh, that we were seeing just a, even just a couple years ago. And so, yeah, I'm not sure about you, but I'm willing to pay a little bit more for my rides and, you know, and for my stuff. If it means uh, that starting salaries are improving, if that means that the economy in general is going to be in a healthier place. And so we've seen a decrease in supply of drivers, Joel, like you mentioned, we're seeing an increase in the number of folks who are wanting to get out there and uh, use ride sharing. Uh, but also, so I mentioned those bonuses that are being paid to drivers. What's really interesting is that Uber and Lyft, I mean, over the years, they've been subsidizing us uh, as drivers because they've been paying drivers more with those bonuses. They've also been offering discounts to riders. Essentially, we've been paying less as these companies have been trying to increase their market share. But now that these companies have, you know, are publicly traded, it's going to be necessary for them to trim some of this fat in order for these companies to, to be profitable. And so just generally speaking, we are bound to see the prices of Uber and Lyft, of ride sharing increase over the years. It's probably not ever going to be as low as it has been over the past few years. Right. It's going to be something that we're just going to be used to paying a little bit more from you know here moving forward. Yeah, some of these companies, they're all about just growth at any cost for a while, even at the expense of losing money, knowing that in the end, when they exactly. own the market, then they can start to charge Do whatever they want. And it looks like maybe we're starting to see some of that transition yeah. where it's like, cool, now we dominate. Nobody uses cabs anymore. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we're, we're now willing to charge more so that we can increase 
company profits and increase investor profits. Uh, let's talk about uh, the future of work for a second, Matt. The, the bottom line, actually, uh, after reading this, uh, seeing this story in the Visual Capitalist this week, uh, I, that I took away was, if you want job security, work in healthcare. Yeah. And uh, so th- this visual capitalist, they, they did a, a, a this great chart about the jobs that are going to be in the highest demand over the next 20 years. And it's just really helpful, especially just to see things visually. Um, that site does a great job laying things out in that way that just intuitively makes sense. Uh, but the jobs that are going to be in the highest demand over the next two decades, they plotted those out. And then they also kind of showed which ones are going to pay the most too. Nurse practitioner is the top in both categories. There's going to be just a huge demand for nurse practitioners and you're going to get paid big money to do it too physician assistants they're also up there Uh, you can easily make north of a hundred thousand dollars in either of these roles and let's say healthcare isn't your jam like you don't really you don't really want to go down that path well statisticians information security analysts and even animal trainers are other jobs that will be in high demand (laughs) in the years to come i thought that was interesting i um, people are spending more money on their pets man they like their fur babies (laughs) that's true (laughs) i mean uh, yeah maybe more caesar milans is what we need out there (laughs) in this world is that guy still around i don't know yeah okay well, but it's just we'll, we'll link to this one in the show notes because it is so visual in nature. Uh, it's it's helpful to see it laid out. But maybe you'll find something in there and you'll say, okay, cool. Like knowing where the jobs are going to be in the coming decades mm-hmm. and which ones are going to pay well, uh, knowing what sectors are going to be hot, and just because of an aging demographic that we have in, oh, yeah. in the United States, it's clear to me that this is accurate. That healthcare is going to be a bigger and bigger need, and we need more workers, um, and that pay is going to go up accordingly. The rate of pay is probably going to grow at a faster rate than a whole lot of other job sectors. Yeah. And while it doesn't make sense for you to choose a profession, you know, I mean, this is how you're going to spend your life. (laughs) So you don't only need to look at pay, but it's definitely something that you want to keep in mind. And that's certainly what we're going to recommend folks to do here at How to Money. And so actually on the note of pay, let's talk about pay transparency. It seems it's always hard to know what you should ask, you know, like during the hiring process, if you're interviewing for a new job, like how hard should you push for more money? Uh, What are other folks in similar roles at the company? What are they getting paid? Uh, Well, there are some states uh, that are creating new pay transparency laws uh, that are going to force employers to make their pay levels public. Colorado, they enacted a, a similar law earlier this year. They actually have the, the strictest pay transparency laws now. And these pay transparency laws are going to go a long way in making pay more equal. Uh, it's going to likely prevent some discrimination. Uh, but these laws, they won't necessarily mean that higher wages are going to come to all of the states that enact them. Right. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. It, it kind of remains to be seen how these laws are going to impact overall pay in the coming years, it seems like it's a good thing on the surface, but then, yeah, there's actually this working paper, Matt, that was released earlier this year on the effects of these types of laws. And this paper found that transparency reduces, I'm quoting here, transparency reduces the individual bargaining power of workers, leading to lower average wages. And a key insight is that employers credibly refuse to pay high wages to any one worker to avoid costly renegotiations with others under transparency. So in situations where workers do not have individual bargaining power, such as under a collective bargaining agreement or in markets with posted wages, greater transparency has a muted impact on wages. I thought that was interesting. That made a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. And I think in one sense, the lack of being able to talk about your pay, which is not legal, uh, employers telling you that you can't divulge your salary to your coworkers, that, and the kind of the harsh environment surrounding your ability to talk about what you make, 
has been unfortunate and has been downright wrong. But at the same time, I'm not sure that these laws are going to actually accomplish what they set out to accomplish. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But that's also what makes the United States so great. We have these laboratories of democracy, these states. (laughs) And it's like, cool, let's see how it plays out in Colorado. And other states will begin to make determinations based on the results that we see from basically this study. Yeah. Well, and I like too that this is a working paper or whatever, like the results, you know, the the TBD. Exactly. (laughs) The full conclusion is yet to be determined. But I'm pro transparency because like I understand like they had two sort of theories here. One was that like, well, in industries where the pay is already public, it doesn't have any effect. Well, that makes sense because if the pay is already posted, then there really isn't going to be any impact from that, right? But then as far as the other argument, which is that uh, they're not going to want to raise uh, wages at all because they don't want to renegotiate others' wages who are going to see that and be like, oh, hey, what about me? But I feel like that's such a like a lazy approach to management because what you're saying well, you're still competing with other firms uh, who might then rob your talent and pay them more. Right. Well, if they're willing to deliver, right? Because if you have an employee who's negotiated a, a higher wage, hopefully you're paying them more because they're doing something. So they're bringing in maybe more business or they're doing something in addition to like their their standard roles. I feel like if I was in charge of HR at a specific company and you have this one employee and they're just crushing it, and then you've got all these other employees that have the exact same job title. And all of a sudden, they know that they could potentially earn, say, $20,000 more. And if they come knocking on my door saying, hey, I'd like to renegotiate my pay, that then opens the door to a conversation with that employee as to what that, that star employee is doing. And then you can say, well, if you would like that, this is what this is probably going to look like. And so in my mind, it means that you've got a, a company who is going to have healthier conversations surrounding pay and performance and the things that is going to lead to, you know, to everybody doing a lot better, not just individuals and not just in an attempt to keep payroll under a certain level. Yeah, and either way, whether you live in Colorado or a state that's looking to enact some of these pay transparency laws, which there's a couple that it's, it looks like they might be voted on this year, well, it's important for you to know what you're worth. And the internet has made it much easier with, through sites like Glassdoor and stuff like that to kind of see what others in your industry and your same experience level are getting paid. And so use those resources and push your employer, even if it's not public. And, and then don't be afraid to have a conversation with a fellow employee that you trust and who's a friend and say like uh, sometimes those are the conversations that get the ball rolling and you're like wait a second I'm being underpaid or you can help a friend realize maybe that they're being underpaid and some of these laws could be beneficial that remains to be seen but there are at least some things that you can be doing now in the pay arena that don't involve your state legislature so I guess our takeaway for listeners is just go get paid more. <laughs> and just to talk about money more, because when it's something that is not taboo, when it's something that we f- feel free to talk about, generally speaking, there's going to be more transparency around that topic. And that's what we do here on the show. No doubt. All right. Well, Matt, we're going to take a break here, but then we're going to bring on Lindsay Bell and we're going to talk about the emotions tied to investing, how we should be responding to volatility in the market. What effect should that have on our investing strategy? We'll get to that right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. 
Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, and now we are joined by Lindsay Bell. She's the Chief Investment Strategist for Ally Invest. Lindsay, thanks for joining us today. And uh, you actually, you just got back from maternity leave. Is that right? Did you just have a baby? I sure did. I have a beautiful seven-month-old baby girl, so uh. we're having so much fun with her. <laughs> and maternity leave is the best, right? And you, you just told us right before we started recording that you got a generous uh, time off, right, for uh, to spend some time with your baby. That's great. 
Yeah, Ally has a really great benefit package, and I actually had five months off to be with my baby and do the, all wow. the bonding and, and get used oh, to it and try to get some sleep and all that good stuff. Well, that's so good. It's so important to, yeah, you got to consider all the different benefits that your employer offers you, not exactly. just the pay, maternity leave, or even paternity leave is definitely something to consider. Right. So. And and, and the, we talk about that all the time because sometimes people, it's it, you just look at the bottom line at the pay thing, but those uh, those secondary benefits that mm-hmm. employers offer are so key. But um, it, it, Lindsay, of course, we wanted to bring you on to talk about some things happening right now in the world of investing. And so let, let's get to that. Like, how, how do you think investors should think about investing with the market? still really close to all-time highs. Like Some folks feel like this is the worst time to start investing. They're apprehensive to contribute to their 401k, to their IRA, because they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for that drop. Um, and yeah, how, how do you think that they should respond? Well, I think that they should first take a pull up the S&P 500 chart on the internet and look at it for as long back as you can. And the general general trajectory of the S&P 500 is higher. So timing the market is not as important as spending time in the market. I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. And so I think getting started now uh, or whenever you have some excess cash is the most prudent thing to do because before you know it, you're going to be ready to retire or you're going to have certain financial goals that you're going to, ha- going to want to have met, whether it's put, sending a child to college, paying for a wedding, paying for a fancy vacation that you've been looking forward to, um, or, or a plethora of other things. It's going to be here before you know it. So get started now. Right. Well, I mean, so there's a big difference, though, between knowing these things and feeling different things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Lindsay, you actually wrote an article about feelings a few months back. Uh, investor sentiment right now, like that just has a lot to do with the ups and downs of the market. And so how should individual investors work to limit the impact of their emotions when it does come to their investing decisions? Yeah, I mean, emotions really can get the best of us, especially when it comes to investing. So one of the key things I always tell investors, especially new investors, emotions impact new investors more than investors that have been in the market for longer periods of time. But don't get me wrong, they still play a role uh, for the people that have been in the market for for longer as well. The, The number one thing I think you have to do is set your mind straight and understand that there's going to be volatility in the market and that there's going to be uncertainty. That's what drives the market. Investors are always fearful of what the next bad thing is going to be to to pull the market lower, what could be a black swan event like the pandemic that we saw last year that could take the market down and take it down hard. And if you're in your later years of investing or reaching some of the goals that you might uh, have on the horizon, that can be feel very uncomfortable and that can be painful. So I think the first thing you need Need to do is embrace uncertainty, but understand what your timeline is. And if you are getting close to reaching your goals, you need to act differently than someone that is just getting started and has a longer time horizon. Well, uh, what do you think is going to be the case when it comes to future volatility in the stock market? Do you think do you think that there's um, we're going to see any differences moving forward? Because like think about what happened with a pandemic response, government involvement just had this major impact on the fact that we didn't enter into a more severe economic tailspin than we otherwise would have. Do you think that that quick response and seeing that it worked one time, like, are we going to go back to the well in the future? Is that going to potentially prevent more severe recessions moving forward? Um, Do you just see there being less volatility uh, going forward in the coming years? 
You know, I would say I would expect more volatility coming forward in in the coming years because the market is moving so much faster now than it ever has. Mm. I mean, the the invention of technology, the proliferation of information and education that is available to even everyday investors like ourselves versus just the big institutional uh, money managers out there has allowed uh, the market to move so much faster than it ever has in the past. But then you also have, like you mentioned, central bankers or government officials moving so much faster to respond to any major pullback in the market too. So you have a couple different things at play, which allows the market to move a heck of a lot faster than it ever has in the past. So I would expect volatility to continue in the years ahead. But I think that's that's nothing to be afraid of. I think it's something that um, we should all be able to embrace and look forward to. And it, it helps. It, it actually should give you almost a bit of a sense of of some relief to understand that hopefully we'll be able to um, resolve some of the bigger issues that come up in the future a lot a lot faster now that's no guarantee and we must always remember that uh, history always rhymes so it's mm-hmm. always good to look back at history um, there's no saying that the great financial crisis can't happen again um, but it's all going to be uh, you know dependent on government central bank response and also investor economic sentiment and trajectory as well. Yeah, it's certainly a feature of the market, uh, not necessarily a bug, though, I guess, based on what you're saying here. But, you know, kind of along that note, like, are you worried then about, you know, the rising amount of speculation, uh, the, the number of folks who are trying to time the market, jump in when, when things are low? Uh, is speculating ever a good move? And, and how do you think our listeners should think about the just the dichotomy of investing for the long haul versus speculating in the here and now? Yeah, you know, I do worry about the amount of speculation that has um, we've seen rise in the market in the past year with more IPOs, a lot of SPACs or special purpose acquisition companies um, where uh, companies go public through these through these financial instruments where they don't have to go through the, the typical process to go public, the more rigorous process of going public and, and NFTs, Bitcoin, all these types of things that are much more speculative in nature that has piqued the interest of individuals that haven't really been involved in the market before, that's somewhat concerning when you see a a rise so quickly in the interest of those types of things and less of an interest in in the long-term investing. That has always been my perspective, is to be a long-term investor and invest based on fundamentals or the potential growth of a company, the potential for a company to grow both revenues and earnings on the bottom line. So I tend to lean more towards long-term investing because it's tried and true. There's a lot of history there. Um, And also there's a lot of history around different types of speculation in the market. And usually it doesn't end too well. Now, that being said, if you do have some extra money on the side, and I like to call that fun money that you want to play with and you want to try it out in some of these more speculative or more volatile areas of the market, go for it. But understand Mm -hmm. that you can lose a lot, if not all of your money when you invest in those types of assets. And if you're going to invest in speculative asset classes or individual securities, then also make sure that that's going to be a short-term 
type of trade and you need to be prepared to have a plan for when to sell. And I think that's the biggest problem even long-term investors have is when to sell. So that's going to be key in any speculative mm-hmm. investment. And let's say because of some of the stimulus payments and maybe we're just spending less because we've been home a little bit more. And when you look at the statistics, there's just record levels of cash that people have in bank accounts right now. And that's a good thing, right? People have really taking taking this this past year and a half to beef up their savings to pay down debt um, we're big fans of that but h- how do our listeners even start thinking about where to invest extra money that they may currently have hanging out in savings that they've like accumulated some of this and they've been waiting on a on a drop and then it hasn't happened and it's like well how do they start to then put that money to use and actually get it into the market Yeah, it's amazing. The consumer, if you look at some of the stats out there, like you said, uh, the amount of cash in deposits, the amount of cash in money market funds, uh, individuals are in a much better financial situation now than they were pre-pandemic. And people kind of got smart about their money. I think the pandemic scared people and into realizing that they need to be prepared for another pandemic type of event where they might lose their job or... um, be going through a very uncertain period of time where they might not have any income. So people have right-sized their balance sheet, as we like to say, and they do, because of that, have some extra money on the sidelines. Um, And so when you have that extra money and you want to put it into the market, we're big fans of putting money into the market because um, we're big believers in that uh, being a, a great mechanism for growing wealth. I think what you first need to to think about is, okay, is my financial house in order? Do I have a game plan to pay down the debt that I that I currently have? Uh, do I have enough money for an emergency fund? And are all my bills accounted for? And then if you have leftover money and you want to put it to work, that's great news. Uh, the first thing you need to figure out, though, is what is your goals for that money? Is it going to be just for funds speculative or are you putting it in the market because you want to put it towards uh, your retirement? Or is it maybe a medium term goal that you have on the horizon, say you want to buy a new house or, or a new car five or 10 years down the road? First, get that straight because that's going to determine how you're going to invest, right? And then determine if you want to be hands-on or hands-off. That's the second step. What type of investor do you want to be? Because if you want to be hands-off, you don't have a lot of time to dedicate to it. I would suggest looking into a robo-advisor or a managed portfolio, which we offer at Ally Invest, whereby you answer a couple questions and we take into consideration what your timeline is, your risk tolerances and things like that, and recommend a type of portfolio that we've already put together for you that you could put your money in that's diversified um, and focused on what your your goals are going to be. And then you can kind of set it and forget it, though I always recommend checking in at least a couple times a year on, on where, where your money's at um, and how it's invested. But if you want to be more hands-on, then you take that money and you need to think about how how do I want to split this up? I always recommend putting a portion of the money that you put into the market into an index fund like the SPY, which tracks the S&P 500, because you get automatic diversification across 500 companies. Mm -hmm. Then, depending on how much money you have, you want to figure out how you want to divide that up. Maybe there's a small portion of that you want to put into, say, a cryptocurrency or some of these other speculative stocks like we just talked about. 
But then maybe the the remaining portion, you want to actively manage yourself in that you want to pick individual securities. And what I always say is if you have never invested in any stocks before, pick a stock that you know that you it's a, a company or a brand that you use every day like you know the obvious one is like an Apple iPhone or Samsung you can buy their s- securities um and it's something that you know pick something you're passionate about maybe for women it's uh Estee Lauder is a type of you know makeup company that they like or maybe you're a big sneaker hound and you want to buy Nike shares um start there get used to how that individual or maybe a couple individual stocks trade, get used to understanding how the stocks react when when companies report earnings, do your homework, do your research and understanding where the growth for this company is going to come from, understand what its value is in the marketplace and versus its competitors. And it's I'll leave it at investing is not as hard as a lot of people think. Um, I'm mm-hmm. so happy that the past year, the pandemic and the extra money that people have been able to to collect has uh, gotten people more interested in investing and taking care of their long-term needs in that manner and building wealth. So I encourage people to, to educate themselves and, and take that first step and put their money into the market. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay, thanks so much for that advice. This is uh, some great advice for folks, especially as they're getting started. And kind of going back to what you said there at the beginning, in regards to just some of the crazy volatility that we experienced, just zoom out, look at the big picture. And I think that will help folks to quell some of those fears they have here in the moment. Uh, But again, yeah, this is uh, we're speaking with Lindsay Bell with Ally Invest. Lindsay, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. That was some helpful investing chat, especially in uh, Kind of tumultuous week in, yes, the, in the stock market. Seriously. And uh, Lindsay, so steady. I appreciate her <laughs> coming on to join us. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this Friday flight. And we're going to have an interview on Monday with our pal Gorick about the unspoken rules to uh, workplace success. Looking forward to that. But until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. 
Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories.